0: Welcome to the Victory Orlando podcast. We exist to reach people with the life-giving message of Jesus and to connect them with their purpose. To learn more about us, visit us at victoryorlando.com. Thanks for listening. We pray that you are encouraged and inspired by today's message. Well, how's everybody doing today? Come on, so glad to see you guys today. Rainy Sunday, but you made it. We didn't even float away, and you still look good. Come on. Tell your neighbors, say, you're looking good. But don't say it too good unless, you know, you're married to that person. Well, I've got a good word for you this morning, and uh, we're we're in this series right now called Pray First. So before we get into the word, we should pray first. It's interactive today. Let's pray. Say, Lord, we thank you for just being here with us today, God, that you would find it in your amazingness to, to be with us. God, what an honor it is for your presence to be here. So we thank you, God. For your spirit, we thank you for being here among us, for bringing your freedom, for bringing joy, for bringing hope, Lord God, for bringing life to all of our dead things, God. So we thank you, God. We rejoice in that, God. Lord, I pray that as we're here today, Lord, you would speak to hearts. You would speak to minds, Lord God, that the words that we hear wouldn't be human words, Lord God, but it would be your words, God. And then they would go down deep inside of us. They would take root in our hearts and produce fruit because we are good ground. And everybody said... Amen. Amen, Amen. Well, I hope you've been enjoying our series that we've been doing. Um, it's called Pray First. This is week three. and if you've missed any of the weeks, I encourage you to get on the podcast, get on the website, and go back and watch those. Um, I believe they'll bless you, and they're just so important for our Christian lives because in this life as a Christian, you know it's, it's so important that we understand what prayer is, and for too many of us, I think prayer is this thing like where we either don't understand it. Don't know how to do it very well. Maybe we don't feel very confident in it. We're like, uh, what's happening here? Maybe it's kind of become like a a religious thing, you know, where prayer is not a religious thing. Prayer is all about our relational connection to God, right? That's what prayer is about. You know, it's a spiritual discipline that we need in our lives, and we need to have that in there, but it shouldn't stay a discipline, right? It's not like eating broccoli, (laughs) I don't. Maybe some of you that aren't laughing, like eating broccoli, is not a discipline for you. But sometimes eating those good things for you at the meal, like I need to start eating healthy. Like anytime there's quinoa around, like it's a discipline for me to eat it. You know. And but prayer is a spiritual discipline, but it shouldn't stay that way, right? But too many times, it's just this thing in our life. We're like, okay, I I know I need to do it better, Pastor. I I hear you. Like I'm trying, but but see. My desire is for us that prayer would become this thing, like where it's not like this thing I've got to do; it's not like that. But prayer would just become this this vibrant thing in our spiritual life. This thing I can't even do without, and I've got to have it. And when I don't have it, I know it. And man, I just I've got to have more of this in my life. It just becomes something that's so important to it, something that you actually even enjoy doing, right? I don't know. It's good. So this whole idea of pray first it comes from this scripture. Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 has kind of been our, our base for this series. It says, Rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I like, pray always. You know, like before I do something else, before I do anything else, I'm gonna pray first. Right? This is this is about to be the interactive part, right? You'll know when your part comes, okay? Before I go to work in the morning, I'm going to pray. First. See, now we're getting it. Like before I send the kids off to school, I'm going to pray, first. right? Just whatever I do, everything throughout my day, I'm just going to, I'm going to pray first. first, right? I'm just going to invite God into all the parts of my life. And it's not like I need to just pray for like, I need to pray always, like I should just always be on my knees and they like, never get up. No, it's not what he's saying. Like, we need to get up. We, need, we have things in our life we need to do. We need to go to work. We need to take care of our kids. We need to do some things. We need to go out. Like, but wherever you go, take that with you. Make it part of your life. See, so many times, you know, we, we get confused in the areas of our lives, right? For me, growing up, I grew up in church and I learned about prayer, but I had a season in my life where kind of this whole, like, spiritual life became like the Sunday. Thing for me, right? I have this, you know, this Sunday world, and that was church, and that was the world right there for church, and it just became this thing, where, like, I come on Sunday, I do my thing, and then I go on to the other areas of my life, right? My home life, my married life, my life with my kids, where the life outside of my house, where I go to work, and I have me time, my life, you know, all those things that I do. We have different areas of our lives that we're involved in, and different things going on, right? But God didn't intend for our lives, our spiritual lives, to stay separate from all of those other lives. And I would even say, like, God doesn't even mind that you have those other lives and have lots of them. It's like, he doesn't mind that you go to Disney or go to the beach. or He doesn't mind that you have these other lives. The problem that happens is that when these other lives overtake everything else, they become the focus and it pushes everything else aside. And that's where I found myself in my life. Many of us now, we find we have these worlds that we live in, right? We even have virtual worlds that we live in now, right? Facebook, Instagram, all those other ones, right? And it just becomes overwhelming, and it overwhelms all the other areas of our lives. And that's where the problem comes in. And see, this is what I would even say is that authentic Christianity, like this real walk with God, like it begins when the spiritual life invades all the other lives that we have, right? If it wasn't meant to be separated, God doesn't even want to be your Sunday God, right? He's not interested in that. He wants to be in all the parts. Like That's where Christianity begins, when, when spiritual life invades all the other parts. That's what he's talking about when he's saying, pray first. I'm just going to make prayer a part of everything I do. Before I go into the meeting at work, I'm going to pray first. I'm going to ask God, God, give me wisdom. Tell me when to speak. Tell me when not to speak, right? Sometimes it's good not to talk, Right? Even when my kids come up to me and maybe they're not feeling good, before I go grab that medicine out of the cabinet, hey, let's pray real quick. I'm still going to get the medicine. I'm still going to take care of my kids. But before I do that, I'm just going to communicate to God. God, I'm going to look to you as my source before I look to anything else of this world as my source. I'm, I'm gonna, we're going to pray for a side effect of that with your kids. You're going to teach them that lifestyle. So you're either going to teach them to depend on the things of the world, or you're going to teach them to put God first and depend on God for everything instead of the things of this world. Like it's a side effect. What you do is you're showing your kids those things. So if you missed any of the weeks, I encourage you to get on there. The first week we looked at praying a a way to pray. There's lots of different ways to pray. We looked at one specific way or a pattern to pray, praying through the Lord's Prayer and what that means. Last week, we talked about how we hear from God, how God is always speaking to us, and He wants to speak to each and every one of us. It isn't reserved for just the pastors to hear from God or the spiritual people. God wants to speak to each and every one of us and, and how we do that. And today, I've got a great word for you. The title of my message today is Living on a Prayer. And that's not living on a prayer. I grew up in the 80s, so I grew up with a little bit of hair bands and a little bit of Bon Jovi, you know, where you grab the mic stand, you're like, whoa! You know, like, some of you don't know about that. You can get on YouTube after church, and you can be like, this is where the inspiration for my message, living on a prayer, apostrophe, living on a prayer. So... The idea, the thought is like, okay, great. I know I need to pray more, great. I need like, but how do I then take prayer and incorporate it into all the areas of my life? How do we do that? And so I want to talk about some very specific and practical things today as we begin to do this. And I actually just want to I want to challenge you this week, I give you a seven-day challenge. Just say every day this week. I'm going to put these things into practice in my life and begin to pray first, begin to live on a prayer, to begin to incorporate prayer into all these areas of my life and just see what God begins to do. So I'm, I'm challenging you. Jesus actually threw this challenge down to his disciples before I gave it to you. It's in Luke chapter 18 and verse 1. He said, it says this, One day Jesus told his disciples a story to show them that they should always pray and never give up. That's a good place to say amen right there. See, so he's telling them, Always pray, never give up. He goes on to tell them the story, a parable of a widow who was coming before a judge day after day, trying to get justice for her situation, and the judge always denied her. No, 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 no. And she, asked, she kept persisting. She kept coming after it, and before long, she had what she was looking for. So you want me to pray all the time? Yep. Why do we need to pray all the time? Because prayer is our first response, not our last resort. Yeah. Right? We can try to figure it out. But see, prayer is not this thing where we come, we do everything else, figure out everything else, try everything else. Nothing else is working. God, I need you to bail me out. That's, that's not the prayer life God intended. That's not the spiritual life God intended for us to be. God wants us to come to him as our first response. Something's happening. Okay, God, what do you got for me? Begin to pray and ask him, seek his wisdom. We're going to pray first. We're going to pray always. That's just who we are. That's just the kind of people we're going to be. We're going to pray first. We're going to pray always, right? We're going to pray first. In John chapter 15, Jesus is with his disciples. He's in the upper room. They've just had the Passover meal. They've just had a moment where Jesus pointed, called out Judas and said, you're going to be the one that's going to betray me. He just called out Peter and said, Peter, you're going to deny me, but that's all right. I still got you, right? This is where Jesus was. They've, they've, they've had this moment and here Jesus is teaching his disciples his final lesson in John chapter 15 and verse four. He says this, he says, remain in me and I will, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So he's just saying, like, he's giving us a metaphor. We're the branches. He's the vine. I thought back, as I read this, back to Hurricane Irma in my yard after the hurricane left, right? Anybody else have some broken branches in your yard? Like, all over the place. Like, what happened was those branches broke off, and they're no longer connected to the trees anymore, right? And immediately, those branches begin to dry up. They begin to become hard and brittle and break easily and all these things. And I wonder how many of us are like that spiritually, right? See, Jesus goes on with this metaphor. He says, I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I remain in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, nothing, nothing. See? He's given us this metaphor to show us that he's the vine, we're the branches. But if we aren't, don't remain in him, if we become disconnected from him, we become like those branches. We've become easily broken. So many times we go through life and we come into church on Sunday looking for that. I'm just so emptied. I just don't know what else I'm going to do. I'm just, I just need God. And we get that spiritual moment. Now we're pepped up. We're ready to go. right? And we go out and we go out on Sunday and then Monday comes. And we're just emptied out on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. And we get back to Sunday and we're like, God, why do I just feel so empty and drained? Because we haven't stayed connected to him. We haven't remained in him. See, we've got to be in that place where it's just part of our everyday lives. It's not it's not sectioned off and, and categorized off and put over there and I'll come back to it on Sunday. That's not what God is looking for. That's not who he's called us to be. Come on, that's a good place to say Amen. I'm I'm preaching about 77% better than y'all are amen in this morning. <laughs> I do laugh at that every time. I think that's funny. That's funny. I'm just telling you like just try it. You don't have to believe me, try it for yourself and find out. Just try it for yourself. It works. It does. Just just try it out. So I want to give us four things this week. That we're going to put into practice in our lives these next seven days, our seven-day prayer challenge, to allow these things to begin to work in our lives and see what God has in store for us. And so, if you're taking notes right now, I want you to write these things down. Maybe you've got "Living on a Prayer" written up at the top with some little lightning bolts on the side. Whatever, then you're a real '80s child. But if you're taking notes, write these things down. Number one is the priority of prayer. The priority of prayer. Truthfully, we all have priorities. I don't know about you guys, but I've had plenty of times in my life where I've said my priorities are one thing, but my actions really show my priorities are something else. (laughs) Anybody else? Yeah, yeah. yeah. See, we have to be honest with ourselves to really like, okay, where are my priorities? Not just what I say, but what am am I willing to do? Where am I willing to back it up? What are my priorities? And I would just offer you this thought, like, just we're going to pray first. Like, Really just align your priorities that way. Like, it's important. Before I do anything else, I'm going to pray first. See, what we do first is so important. It it does two things, the things that we do first. Number one is it communicates priority to whoever you're doing that first thing for. Right? It communicates priority. The second thing first things do is it sets the precedence for everything else. Right? It sets the precedence because I'm saying before, uh, let me say it this way. Uh, First things are powerful because they, they contain this ability, the priority of it, the precedence of it, where if I did it in another order somewhere else, it's different, right? Like, right, it wouldn't have the same effect. It's like prayer. Prayer works all day long, right? I can pray over my Big Mac. I can pray over my burrito. I can pray before bed. I can pray. Like, it doesn't matter what time of day you start praying, God hears you. Like, prayer works all the time. But there's something about the first words out of your mouth in the morning. When you wake up, you're like, good morning, Father. So good. Thank you for this day. I'm so excited to spend time. There's something about the first. There's something powerful in it. You know, just don't make it legalistic, though. Like, don't be like, I, I, I got to go to the bathroom, Lord, but I'm just, I'm trying to pray. Like, go to the bathroom. It's, it's not legalistic. It's not, like, restrictive, but it's just, it's communicating priority to God. Like this is important to me before anything else, before, before I get on here and I start going like this, before I, you know, start having conversations or planning out my day before like all that kind of all the stuff starts racing in my life before anything else. I'm going to pray first. I'm going to seek you, God. I'm going to communicate priority to God. In Daniel chapter 6, we see this priority in Daniel's lives. He's in, in a foreign land. And in verse 10, it says this. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, this decree was the one that said, you cannot pray to anybody but the king. He said, he went home to his upstairs room where he opened the window towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Daniel had already determined, like, this is my priority. Like, nothing else is going to come in place. This time belongs to you, God. So I would just say, practically, make an appointment with God and keep it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So if you've got to get your, your app out on your, your phone, your calendar app, just schedule God in there. God, this is your time. If you've got a planner, my wife has one where she has to write with a pencil, you know, on there and she's always erasing and stuff, like but like whatever it is, schedule your appointment with God and then when something comes up like I'm sorry, I have an appointment. You don't even have to tell people like I have an appointment with God. Like just I'm sorry, I can't do that. I've got an appointment. Like schedule your appointment with God and keep it and see what happens. I just I'm just challenging you guys to do this. Here's the second one if you're taking notes, is the place of prayer. The place of prayer. The Bible talks about how Jesus prayed in certain places. Um, for In a Christian word, we call that like a prayer closet. Anybody heard? Like, yes. there's the prayer closet. I'm going to my prayer closet. Me, I cannot pray in the closet. I am uh, so distracted. I would be so distracted in the closet because there's, there's all my clothes in there, all my hats, my shoes. I love shoes. So I've got my shoes all out, like, lined up all down where my clothes are hanging up. They're all out on top of the boxes I bought them in. Like, I, I take care of my shoes. And I, I would just be so distracted, like planning, like this goes with the, Like I just, I can't pray in there. But I have a place in my house. I have an upstairs room in my house where I go in one of those bonus rooms, and there's, there's not a lot of stuff in there. But when I go into my place, I like it to be loud, so I crank up my phone as loud as I like, can. Yeah. And I got playlists on there of songs, and I'm in there singing and worshiping and praying. Like that's my prayer place. My wife, she's a little different. When she prays by herself. You know, she's in our room, you know, and hers is more quiet. It's one of those, like, when I walk in the room, and she's still praying. I'm like, oh. close the door. Like, <laughs> didn't, didn't know you were praying in here. Man, but when we pray together, it's on. It's loud. Come on. But you need a place to pray. You need a place. In Mark chapter 1, verse 35, it says, very early in the morning. This is the priority right there. You see it. While it was still dark, Jesus got up, he left the house, and he went off to a solitary place where he prayed. A different translation says a certain place, almost implying like he went there regularly, like a solitary, a certain place, a specific place that he would go to pray. A lot of theologians uh, talk about they believe that Jesus would go to a specific spot in the garden, the very garden where he prayed, Lord, if not your will, my will be like, right? That very spot, that, that was his place to go and pray, and that's why he was there. That's not maybe in the scriptures, but it's an interesting thought to think. And in the spot in the garden, it's a, specific, a strategic place because where he was praying there, you could see, you have this place where you can see all of Jerusalem. It's a beautiful place where he was praying. And I can just, Jesus had a place he would go to. We need that place. And, I mean, for me, like, again, it's not, it's not legalistic, it's not rulish, but I just know that before I get on this thing, I've got to go to my place. Before I start, because the, the days are just too busy. There's just too many other things. And I know as soon as I go to that, because I've done it, where I'm like, ah, I missed it. I started this before I went to my place, man. Just go to your place of prayer before you go to your other places. Man, just go to that place first. Number three, if you're taking notes, is the plan of prayer. The plan of prayer. And what what I mean by this is um, you just... You, you, Everything's better with a plan. I like to build things out of wood. It's about a year ago, when I cut my thumb on my table saw, it's still there. It works pretty good. I'm thankful for that. But I was building an entertainment center for my house, and I had a plan. I'm not, and I'm glad because you know, a plan, what it does is it tells me what the end result is going to look like, tells me the supplies that I need, tells me how to cut the wood and the dimensions and the lengths, and how to assemble. A plan helps me along the process and shows me the end goal, right? I could have just gone to Home Depot and be like, "Uh, I need that wood and some screws and some stuff like that, and I'll, I'll just, I'll just, hopefully it'll come together. And hopefully my TV won't fall. <laughs> That'd be real scary to put your TV on something like that. Like everything's just better with a plan, right? Your date night with your wife, guys, is better with a plan. Have you ever had a date night where you get in the car, you're like, like, what do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? <laughs> it's not going to be your best date ever. <laughs> it's just..." It's just better with a plan. Like, just figure it out. Just make a plan. It's going to be better. Things are better with a plan. Prayer is better with a plan. I I used to go in to try to pray, and I'm like, I would come in, and I'd be like, okay, God, what's up? What now? Maybe you've been in that place before. And I would just encourage you, get a plan before you pray. A great plan would be would be from that first week where we talked about how to pray through the Lord's Prayer. That's a, just a great model of prayer to pray through. That's a plan you can take into prayer. In Ephesians chapter 3, it starts in verse 14. There is a great prayer in the Bible that you can pray over your family every day. It's a great plan to take in and pray over your family. One couple of things that I like to do is I have a little ring binder with some cards that i am cut out. And I have names written on them. And so I'll take those in with me when I go to pray to my place, and I'll pray over people that I'm under, people that are over me. I pray for them, people that are leading in my life. I pray for them. Then I pray for people that I'm over, right, people that I'm leading. I pray for my staff. I pray for the leaders of the church. I pray for my wife and my daughter, my family. I pray for you guys, right? You need to know that there are people praying for you. As a staff, we get together every week on Tuesdays. We're praying for you. Our core leaders, we get together twice a month every other Tuesday. We're praying for you guys. There's people praying for you. I'm praying for you guys. I'm praying for all those things. And some days I might not even go there, but I have the plan. I have it there, right? Another thing that I like to do when I, when I go to my place to praise, I'll take a notebook or a journal, or whatever that looks like, a ring binder, or whatever, where, because there's just something that happens when I'm in that moment with the Lord and, and He's speaking to me. The Holy Spirit will begin to put things inside of you. He'll begin to reveal ideas to you. He'll begin to give you songs. Some of you are like, I ain't no songwriter. The Lord will begin to give you a song. The Lord will begin to give you things and speak things into you, business ideas, solutions to problems you had no idea you even had. He'll begin to... To speak those things to you. And like I I mean, like I've got notebooks just writing as fast as I can because I know as soon as I leave that place, the busyness of life will try to come and and those things will just be forgotten. So when I'm there in that place and God is speaking to me, man, I'm writing down. I have a plan. I'm ready. The the plan of prayer. Another thing that I like to do is I like to pray a theme. Here's and what I mean by that is okay, today I'm gonna pray for peace. I'm gonna pray about peace. And so I'll get on there before I'll I'll get a bunch of scriptures about peace. And I'll just begin to pray those scriptures. A great one for peace is Isaiah 26, verse 3. He says, You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast on you because they trust in you. So I'll begin to pray that over my daughter. Lord, I thank you for Bella today that you keep her in perfect peace as she's at school. There'd be no fear in her that she would trust you. I begin to pray these scriptures. i find as many as I can on peace. Then I know tomorrow I'm going to pray about favor. I'm going to pray for supernatural favor. So I'll get a bunch of scriptures on favor and I'll have them right there. Psalms 5 verse 12 says, Surely, Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with favor like a shield. How many of you need God's favor to be around you, protecting you like a shield? Come on. Psalms eighty four eleven says, For the Lord is a sun and a shield. He bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Man, I begin to pray these things I'm Pray them over your family. Pray them over your businesses. Your coworkers have a plan. It's just amazing what happens when you bring this amount of intentionality into your time of God, your, your time with prayer with God, right? Because then it'll go from this thing where you're like, I guess I need to pray today. You're like, you'll get through halfway through your list, and you realize, i got to go to work, but I just need 10 more minutes. Like it just will become so enjoyable. It'll have so much more meaning than just coming into me like, well, let's figure something out. Just go into it with a plan and you'll begin to see what God will do in your life. So we know it needs to be the priority. We know we need a place. We know we need a plan. And here's number four, if you're taking notes, is the persons of prayer. The persons of prayer. You'll notice that persons is two things, capitalized and pluralized. That's because we're talking about God in three persons He's the trinity the godhead god the father god the son and god the holy spirit remember prayer is about connecting relationally with god it's not coming to him like he's this big green faced guy like anybody see the wizard of oz that's a freaky movie y'all it's a little trippy in there there's some weird there's some weird there's some weird stuff in that movie but i think sometimes you know People have this picture of God like Oz, right? Like he's this big green-faced guy like, "What do you want?" <laughs> I want I want to go home. All right, prove your worth to me by going and get the broom. That's That's not that's so wrong. That's not the right picture of God. That's not who he is. He is your friend. That's right. One of the best descriptions of this this, the persons of prayer is the, uh, the Godhead is in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. It's at the end uh, of this prayer that Paul was writing to the Corinthian church. And it's a, a benediction is what it's called. A benediction is a type of prayer. It's just a closing prayer, something you pray at the end. And he says this, he says, may the amazing grace of the master, Jesus, the extravagant love of God, the father, and the intimate friendship of the Holy spirit be with you all. Isn't that beautiful picture? It's just a great picture right there of the Godhead. And really what he's doing is he's introducing it to us in order with personality. All right? Here's what I mean by that is that we relate to each one of the Trinity in different ways. Right? Some of you have more than one, one kid, and you can attest that your kids all have different personalities. Right, They all are all different. And if you try to relate to them all the same way, that's going to be a problem. They all have different personalities. We relate to them in different ways. Same way we relate to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit in different ways because they have different personalities. That's the way God designed it. So Paul introduces us to this and is like, hey, this is the persons of prayer. This is how we need to interact with this. So I want to talk through each one. Number one, he talks about the amazing grace of Jesus. Woo, y'all, come on. Think about that for a minute. The amazing grace of Jesus. This is the first dimension of prayer, the first person. And it's so important that we understand the first, that we really understand who Jesus is, that we really understand who he is because you know, before Jesus came, we had this problem. It was like, we're, we're, we're people, we're, we're humankind down here, and God is up here, and there's a barrier between us, right? Jesus came, Scripture says, to remove that barrier. That's why he came, is he came to connect us so that we could be in relationship. So he's the connector. He's the one that's actually mediating between us and God with the result of getting us together. Right? He wanted us to be connected. That's why he came. In fact, that's why he lived the 33 years. Like why, did, why did Jesus live the 33 years? Because if he, could have just, if he just needed to die, then when he was born as a baby, why didn't he just do it right then? Or why didn't he do it before he lived 33 years? Why? Like Jesus lived those 33 years to go through everything that we would go through, to experience everything that we would experience, because Scripture says he's seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us interceding is a type of prayer like, where you're really getting after it. You're like, whoa, that dude is praying. Right? He's interceding. It's like, he's really praying. He is praying for you. So what he's literally doing is while well, we start praying, right? Scripture says we pray in Jesus' name, right? Jesus said in John 14, he said, when you pray in my name, the Father will hear you and you have what you ask. Right? So why do we pray in Jesus' name? Because we're praying in Jesus' name. Jesus is literally the go-between. He's the mediator between us and God. So he's sitting there next to God, the Father, and they hear us praying. And Jesus is like, I got you. I got you. I got this prayer, Chris. I got this. And he says, God, I, he said, Father, I know what that is. I went through that. It's really hard. It's, it's hard. Yeah. Jesus is this one literally in between us and God. He, scripture says that he is our high priest in between us. He's... He's interacting between us and God. In Hebrews chapter 4, he says, we don't have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weakness. So in other words, he's not up there being like, really? You're bringing that to me again? We talked about this yesterday. Like, that's not what he's doing, right? Scripture says he, he can understand our weaknesses because he is one who's been tempted in every way that we are, but he didn't sin. That word tempted there isn't just, it doesn't mean just tempted to do something wrong, right? One translation says he was, he, he was literally touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Like every place you hurt, every pain, he gets it. He understands it all. He was He dealt with it in every way that we did. That's why he lived the 33 years. So that he would understand when we're praying. And we're like, God, I just don't understand why this is going on. This hurts so much. It's like, I, I get it. I know. Jesus knows. He cares. It just, it just changes our prayer time with him when we understand who he is and what he's doing in that moment. The second one he introduces us to is the extravagant love of the Father the extravagant love of the father. Extravagant is like lavish, like nothing held back. Like his love for us is so great. And I know when we start talking about fathers, many of us didn't have good fathers. Some had good fathers. Maybe you had the privilege of having a good father that loved you. Maybe you didn't. Maybe you had a father that abandoned you or maybe a father that hurt you. I don't know. We've all had different experiences with fathers, but we can't let our experience with our earthly father pollute our relationship with our heavenly father. Because father, I believe, is one of his favorite names to be called. He has lots of names. I just think that that's got to be one of his favorite names because scripture says that we, he adopted us as his children. That's why our, our spirit literally cries out to him, father. He loves it when we just come to him. We want to get in his lab and be like, hey, dad. You know, like he loves it when we call him father. And I would just say to you, if if that's difficult, maybe you're like, no, I I can't call him that. He's master. He's Lord. He's like, and he is those things, but he's also our father. And I would just say to you, if that's you, there is healing for you in that. And just, just come to him that way. And God, it's so hard. I have so much pain from this, from my earthly father. It's hard. Like, let the work of him, let him begin to work in you. Just. Jesus even understands what it's like to be abandoned by his father, right? On the cross, father, why have you forsaken me? Jesus gets it. Just talk to him. Let his healing, like his stripes were for your healing, for your physical body, for your soul, for your emotions, for your mind. Let his healing work in you. Let me show you a picture of who the father is. Psalms 103, verse 8, it says this. It says, the Lord is compassionate and gracious. He's slow to anger. He's abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve or pay us, repay us according to our iniquities. Y'all, he doesn't give us what we deserve. Come on, we can praise him in that moment. He doesn't pay us back for what our sins deserve. Our sins deserve for us to be separated from him and dead in hell forever. But he doesn't give us that. That's how good he is. He gave us his only son. Man, he doesn't repay us like we should be treated. Come on, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. That's not fear, like I'm afraid, like oh, like that's not it's not terror, it's not fear, it's coming to him like with this sense of awe, this honor, this respect, this love. Like, like that's what he's talking about. He says. As far as the east is from the west, so he has removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him, who come to him with this: Lord, I love, I honor you, I I love you, God, who come to him in this way. That's why we don't have to come to him and beg. Prayer is not just coming to him like, please, God, please, I need He's a good father to us, you guys. Like I just think that before I even ask him, before I even come to him, he already wants to give me what I need. His name is provider. And that name, like when it's translated into our English, literally means he's already seen ahead what we need and provided. That's who he is. This is our father. He's a good, like... I I can come to him in confidence, in boldness, knowing that he loves me, that he's not mad at me, he's not sitting in that chair like, that's not who he is, he's a good father that loves me. Then Paul introduces us to the last one, the third one, the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit. See, I think this one is the hardest one for people to relate to, for us to really understand because... You know, this whole idea, I can relate to Jesus. Okay, I've, I've read the stories, I've seen the movies. I can even, I can relate to God in that way. I can, I can get there. But what is, what is this Holy Spirit? Like some people even call him the Holy Ghost. What is this thing? Like, isn't that that weird thing that spiritual people do? And I don't know. Like, that's not what it is. Okay? That's a distortion. Of what the enemy has tried to trick people into what the Holy Spirit is. That's not what he is. Let me just tell you. See, we're praying. We're in our place. We've got our plan. We're praying in Jesus' name. Jesus is there mediating this relationship. We're praying. God the Father, he hears us. We're praying in this moment. But what happens then in this moment, then when we're done and I got to go about the rest of my life. See, the Holy Spirit is there in that moment. and He says, all right, let's go do life. Let's go. He see, he goes with us everywhere he goes. He is our helper. He is our friend. His name in the Greek is translated as perikolatos. I'm not a Greek speaker, but that's my best Greek, y'all. <laughs> Parakletos, And it literally means this. It literally means one called along your side, one called to be your helper. That's good right there. Like, he goes with you all the time. He's speaking to you. He's like, he's the one that's there helping you know what to say. It's, it's that moment when you're about to go into a place. You're about to make a decision. You're like, ah, it's not right. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. When you're about to open your mouth and say something and you're like, I shouldn't say this. It's the Holy Spirit. He's there helping you. He's your guide. He's our comforter. Even when we're hurting, like what's happening? Like the Holy Spirit is like, like, let's, let's go to the Father. It's the Holy Spirit. The intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit. That's what prayer is. That we understand the amazing grace of Jesus the extravagant love of the Father and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit. Man, see, when we come to Him that way, when we come about it that way, it's just totally different. It changes everything. It just changes everything. Let's just do that right now. Let's just take this minute all together all across this room. Let's just bow our heads and just, just come to Him. Just begin to speak to Him in this moment. Lord, we thank You, God. I thank You for prayers rising up from Your people.